Welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church on this Sunday, the 30th of July. Whether you're a regular visitor here in the church or just a visitor um, on holiday or looking after family or being with family, whether you're listening in online, may I just say welcome to this service this morning. We're here to worship God and we do that through singing hymns, through our prayers, and we'll be opening up the Word of God, God's revelation to us. And Mark, our pastor in training, will be preaching this morning, and we look forward to that. He'll be preaching from Mark chapter 5, no, Luke chapter 5 and chapter 9, talking about Peter's call and confession. The Bible reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and then chapter 9, verses 18 to 20. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. Thank you, Margaret, and thank you, Adrian. Uh, it's great to be, to be back with you after uh, a short break on holiday. Um, my name is Mark. As Adrian introduced, I'm the pastor in training here. Uh, and it's my privilege to, um, after this short break away in Tyree in the sunshine, to be back in Bankery in the sort of sunshine, um, but to be opening God's Word with you again. Um, and it is um, over these summer months where we can do something a little bit different. We take a break from our, our usual um, teaching where we were in Exodus. And for my part, at least over these next couple of weeks, we're going to, to take some time to look at Peter. Um, and as I was kind of planning this before going on holiday, I was probably over ambitious in what I thought I could cover in the life of Peter. So although we've, we've read these, these two passages, we're going to spend most of our time in, in the first one and then 
make note, really, of the second one rather than preach from it. So, we'll spend most of our time in Luke chapter 5 this morning, looking at Peter's calling, um, and then we'll, we'll note Peter's confession of, of Jesus as the Christ. Uh, and next week, we're going to, to spend some time in John's gospel, looking at the, the low point in Peter's life, where he denies Jesus, but then also when Jesus comes and restores him. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love Peter as a character in the Gospels. We see, we see probably more of him than we do of any un- other individual other than Jesus. Um, and he's such a, a fully formed character, and there's so much in him that we can relate to, in his, in his weakness especially, personally. Um, it's very easy to look at Peter and relate to his experiences. He's, um, he's an encouraging sometimes a frustrating and a fascinating figure. And the reason that I want to look at Peter is, is not just because Peter is fascinating to look at, but I think when we, we look at Peter, we see uniquely something of Jesus and the surprising ways that he calls people to himself and the surprising kinds of people that he calls to himself. So before we um, get stuck into the passage, let's just think a little bit about who Peter is. Peter is, is first called Simon, and he's called Simon here in this passage. He lived in a place called Capernaum, a city of, of Galilee, some 2,000 years ago. And he was the son of a man named John, the brother of Andrew, who would also be an apostle, and who worked alongside him as a fisherman, although it would appear not perhaps the best fisherman, um, given this episode. Um, and we see, him, we see him fishing in the boat here in the lake of Gennesaret, which is just another name for the the Lake of Galilee. Uh, And this region was a fishing community. The whole area would have revolved around the boats and the fish, and they would have depended on them, probably not unlike Aberdeen or Peterhead in days gone by. Um, Fishermen are and were men who were rugged and hardy. They faced the weather and often treacherous conditions, risking their lives to, to provide for their families. And they're no stranger to hardship no stranger to stress when the fish that they're looking for are hard to find. Here's a a, a guilty um, confession, and and please don't judge, but myself and Lisa have a a guilty TV pleasure of watching the BBC show Trawlerman, um, and possibly for nothing else to make us realize that our jobs are really not that hard. Uh, when, When you look at these guys out on the sea and the weather that they endure, the hardship they endure, it's, it's quite incredible. Um, the weather they, they have to go through is, is coarse and rough. And as you watch the show, you realize that their, their lifestyles and their language is pretty coarse and rough to match. And when I think of Peter before Jesus called him, I don't think he would have been out of place on one of these boats. I think his lifestyle and his language would probably have matched that of many of these guys that we see on this, this show. And this is the the Peter that that Jesus comes to at the side of the lake this day in in Gennesaret. Um, And and in this encounter that he has with Jesus, we see something of how Jesus operates with Peter and how he operates with all of those who would be his disciples. So just three things that I want to note. Um, First, we see Jesus reveals who he is. He shows himself to people, and he does this in two ways specifically here. He does it in his words 
and in his works. And then we see that Jesus shows people who they are. He shows Peter who he is. And then finally, Jesus transforms people who follow him. So first, Jesus reveals who he is. Jesus had not long started his his public ministry when in Luke 5 here, we see people are gathering around him in big numbers to hear him preach. Near the Lake of Galilee, we see Jesus surrounded and unable to effectively move or speak for all the crowds pressing in on him. No one had ever heard anybody preach like Jesus. He speaks with authority and with clarity and conviction and power like nobody else. And the crowd was so much that that Jesus needed a better platform to be able to, to preach. So he sees these two boats at the shore and they're empty at this time with a a dejected Simon Peter not far away cleaning his empty nets after a woeful night's fishing. And Jesus climbs into the boat that belongs to Simon Peter, asks him to push out a little from shore. And from here, Jesus has the perfect platform to sit and preach to the crowd. He's able to speak clearly so that he could be heard by everyone. And Jesus wants to show people, to tell people who he is, And that's what his preaching is all about. This is the thing that Jesus is most concerned about in his ministry. It was the clear proclamation of the gospel. I wonder if you remember how in in Mark's gospel early on, when Jesus had healed a massive crowd of people, he tells the people, perhaps surprisingly, "Let's, let's move on from here and go to the other towns so I can preach there also, because that is why I have come. Jesus is always crystal clear on what the main point of his ministry before his death is, and it is the clear preaching of the Word of God so that he might clearly reveal himself to a world that desperately needs him and desperately needs to see him and see themselves and know the salvation that he alone can offer them. So this is what we see when Jesus is at the lakeside with the crowd clambering to hear him. He prioritizes being heard, and he makes sure that the crowd can hear him. But he's keen, it seems, to make sure that one person in particular hears him especially clearly. That person, of course, is Peter, the man in whose boat he is sitting and preaching. The preaching of the Word is, is one way that Jesus reveals who he is to the crowd and to Peter here. But then we see that, that Jesus wants to show that he isn't just speaking empty words. He wants to show clearly that his words are powerful by backing them up with a powerful work, a miracle, a miracle for all to see, but one again that it seems is designed to hit Peter very powerfully. So Jesus could have performed anything. He could have done any miracle to show his divine power, but he chose to do something that would have a particular impact on Peter. Peter, this experienced fisherman, had been out all night and exhausted, having caught nothing. This carpenter, Jesus, speaks to Peter and tells him how to catch fish. He tells him to throw his nets out into the deep water for a catch. Now, if Jesus were any other carpenter coming up to Peter that day, I seriously doubt he would have been very impressed by such a suggestion. 
much less act on it and do what Jesus said. But here we see that, that Peter, he has respect for Jesus. He, he addresses him as master, you'll see. He says, master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. The term master, it's similar to calling Jesus boss or sir. It's, it's how you might address your manager in work. It tells us Peter has respect for Jesus as a man with authority. And he shows his respect and his acknowledgement of Jesus' authority because even though he has been fishing all night and Jesus comes along with no fishing experience or qualification, Peter reluctantly perhaps does what he says and puts his net down. He puts his net down into deep water and discovers that Jesus not only speaks words of power, but he does works that back those words up. And here he does a work that shows he has power and authority even over the fish in the sea. These fish start filling the nets at such a rate that the nets strain and begin to break. And another boat is called because the haul is so large, one boat's not enough. And even that boat begins to sink under the weight of all the fish. And apparently these kind of boats could have held about half a ton of fish comfortably. That gives you an idea of the quantity of fish that are at work here. This is phenomenal. Such an abundance of fish when previously there was none is a work of God here. And Jesus shows the crowd that he has authority even over the sea. He has authority to provide in miraculous ways. And it was Peter right here in the boat with Jesus that saw this most clearly. Peter saw firsthand and up close the authority and power of Jesus in his words and in his works. And this is what Jesus does. He shows us who he is. He did it then for Peter. He does it still for us today. We see him most clearly in his word, the Bible, and in his saving work at the cross and in his resurrection. If we will listen to his words, open up our eyes and see his works, Jesus shows in powerful ways that he is no ordinary man. He is more than a man to be respected. He has real divine authority and power. He is someone to be feared and revered. And there's an interesting point here in how Jesus reveals himself. Jesus, he, he speaks in the context of a crowd, but he speaks directly to an individual here. In the context of this crowd, Jesus' words make a special impact on Peter. So Jesus isn't just playing to the crowd. He is concerned, just as concerned, if not more so, that this one individual would hear him and follow him. And his words and his works seem to be tailored directly to Peter. This was Peter's experience of that day. But I wonder if we were to interview those present that day, how many of them would have said, you know, that thing that Jesus said, it spoke directly to me. It spoke to my circumstances. And this is true of how God's words function, true of how God's word functions. It communicates the same unchanging truth at all times, but it's a living and active word that pierces to the core of us so that we might all be able to say, it's as though God is speaking directly to me. Because he is. Even in a crowd, God is in the business of revealing himself to individuals 
and He reveals Himself to us in ways that are tailor-made for us too. He uses circumstances that are designed to get your attention. He puts people in your life that are intended to get you to hear His voice and to listen to His Word. Jesus is speaking directly to you today if you will hear Him. Even in His Word, which is unchanged for millennia, this is a living and active Word and is designed to speak directly to your heart and to mine in ways that reveal the unchanging truth of who Jesus is and His gospel in a way that speaks to each and every one of us in our individual circumstances today. This is how Jesus operates. He reveals Himself to individuals. And when He reveals who He is, there should be a response. And this takes us to the second thing that we see happening here. First, Jesus reveals who He is. Next, we see that Jesus shows Peter who He is. Jesus shows us who we are. It's, it's very common for, for most people to think that they are basically good people. You know, they compare themselves to the, the tyrants, the criminals, the evildoers in this world, and they come to the conclusion that they're basically good people, and God would most likely approve of them and who they are, at least for the most part. But as a university research supervisor of mine used to love to repeat, nothing is good or bad except by comparison. And the comparisons that most of us choose for ourselves are deliberately chosen to make us look good. But when we come face to face with Jesus, when we come face to face with God, our illusions of our own goodness disappear. And how we view ourselves has to change. When Peter sees who Jesus is through his powerful words and his miraculous works, it shows him not just who Jesus is, it causes him to suddenly see in a moment of shock who he is. In a moment of, of fear, Peter realizes just who he is sharing a boat with. This man in his boat has authority and divine power over the sea. He has power that only God has, and Peter is both astonished and terrified at Jesus' works and words. And he's, he's afraid to be so close to him. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, Peter feels utterly exposed because he recognizes at this moment, more than any other in his life, that he is not the man he thought. He's not the man he ought to be, He's not a good man. He's a rebel against a holy and perfect God. And as he looks at Jesus, while he doesn't yet know the full extent of who Jesus is, he sees enough to know that he is in the company of a man who exposes his weakness and his sinfulness. And Peter's response is, is strikingly similar to that of Adam in the Garden of Eden. When he knew he had sinned, he went and he tried to hide from God. He couldn't bear to be in his presence. It was too much for him in his sin and shame. It's, it's like Isaiah's experience when he came and saw the holy, holy, holy God. He cried out, woe is me, for I am lost, and I'm a man of unclean lips. Or Ezekiel, when he saw the glory of God, fell flat on his face. It was too much for him to bear. Now, this is the effect of coming into the presence of God. 
It's not a comfortable thing for sinful people to come into the presence of a holy God. Coming face to face with God when we know we are sinners is terrifying. When we see who He is, we see who we are. It exposes us and dispels any notions we might have that we are good in ourselves. When we see who Jesus is in His holy, awesome perfection and mighty power, we see our own utter weakness, sinfulness, and we're exposed before Him. And this is the position Peter's in. And he responds by telling Jesus to get away from Him. And perhaps Peter says this because he knows he is a sinful man, and it's not safe for him to be in the presence of a holy God, which is true. Sinful men cannot live at peace in the presence of a holy God. It might also be the case that Peter, not fully understanding yet Jesus' mission and identity, thinks Jesus shouldn't be spending time with someone like him, not a sinful man like him, that, that Jesus spending time with him might, might actually corrupt Jesus somehow. Of course, as we see, Jesus is not threatened by sinners like Peter or like you or me. He moves towards them and towards us. And instead of becoming tainted by our sin, He moves to take the shame of our sin away from us. I wonder if, if you have ever had an experience like Peter, a time when you were confronted by the holiness of who God is, a time when you realize that compared to Him, you are utterly weak and sinful and unable to be at peace in His presence. I hope you have. I hope you have had this experience of being brought low and recognizing your own sin and shame in the face of the beautiful, holy perfection of Jesus. If you have never seen the ruin of your own sin and been blown away by the beauty of Jesus, you cannot be a Christian to be a Christian is to know you are a sinful person who does, not know, who does not deserve to be in the presence of God and live. To be a Christian is to know that your sin prevents you from living at peace with God. But when we reach this point of seeing our own sinfulness and unworthiness to be in the presence of Jesus, Jesus does not send us away. He does something else. And this takes us to our third point you know, when we're aware of our own sinfulness, Jesus will transform us by His grace when we turn from our sinful selves and follow Him. Jesus transforms those who follow Him. And once Peter has seen who Jesus is, at least in part, and seen his own sinfulness and unworthiness to be in Jesus' presence, Jesus does something beautiful. He turns to Him and speaks words that will both comfort and transform him. Jesus turns to Peter in his fear, in his poverty of spirit, and says to Peter, do not be afraid. He seeks to bring peace to Peter by his words of comfort. Jesus wants Peter to know that there is and can be peace between sinful man and holy God. Jesus brings it about by his words and ultimately he brings it about by his death and resurrection. Jesus, again, he doesn't speak empty words here. When he tells Peter not to be afraid, they are words that will be acted upon and brought to fulfillment at the cross. 
Jesus here speaks to Peter words that will transform his heart, calming his fears and bringing him to peace with God. They will transform his life entirely as Jesus continues to tell Peter that he is giving him a new vocation. No longer is he going to catch fish. Jesus tells Peter, from now on, you will be catching men. And and note here the authoritative way that Jesus speaks, both in his instruction not not to be afraid and his informing Peter of this new vocation. Jesus doesn't offer these to Peter as options, but as first a command not to be afraid, and then a commission. You are going to work for me. But Peter didn't devise these for himself. This was no self-betterment plan that Peter came up with when he saw how sinful he was. This is a transformation plan that is Jesus' design, and Jesus will implement it. Peter saw Jesus. Peter saw himself. Peter was transformed by Jesus. And we see the extent of the transformation in how Peter responds in verse 11 of chapter 5 here. We're told he left everything and followed Jesus. You know, the the nets that belong to a fisherman are one of the most valuable things he owns. If they were to get snagged on rocks while out at sea, he would spend a massive amount of time trying to recover them. He would spend energy and money, and risk a lot in order to have them back. They are so valuable. But here we see how Peter considers his nets now in comparison to a life of following Christ. He walks away, and he leaves his nets behind, and his fishing community behind, and he follows Jesus into the specific calling of being a fisher of men. You know, when we follow Jesus' call, We must be prepared to have our lives transformed, our priorities and our values transformed. It's it's important to note here that when we are called to follow Jesus, not all of us are called to walk away from our jobs. Many of us, most of us, are called to stick in them, but with transformed priorities. And not many of us are called to leave family, our communities, our homes, More often, we're called to stick in them, but with utterly transformed values and a desire to glorify God in them. Not many of us are called to leave everything behind to follow Jesus like Peter does here. But some are. Some are. And all of us are called to live lives utterly transformed when Jesus calls us to follow Him. And it's by the power of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this transformation is possible. You know, we see the transformation very clearly in Peter's life, and we see that Peter's journey with Jesus is only just beginning. One of the reasons for for choosing to look at Peter is because we see so much of that journey, and we see that while Peter is transformed into a Jesus follower in an instant, it takes a lifetime for him to be transformed. And he fumbles and he falters and he has epic highs and deep lows. And his understanding of who Jesus is grows and his love of Jesus grows. We had read for us in Luke 9, 18 to 20, 
one of the pinnacle moments of Peter's growing understanding of who Jesus is. It's the moment when he confesses that Jesus is the Christ. This confession is a mark of the transformation that Jesus works in Peter's life. Peter is able in Luke 9, more clearly than before, to see that Jesus is more than a prophet, more than a preacher, more than John the Baptist or Elijah or some other great man. Peter, when asked who he now thinks Jesus is, responds, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You are the Christ of God. He knows that Jesus is the unique, eternal Son of God who has come to set His people free and to bring them into God's perfect and permanent kingdom. And this is an understanding that was given to Him by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in His life. But as we will see, Peter's transformation continues even beyond this point. He is not the finished article. He still has much to learn. And this is true of us as well, whatever point we are at in our Christian walk. The process of Jesus showing us who He is and showing us who we are and transforming us when we follow Him is not a one-time thing. This does not just happen in a single moment when we first come to believe in and follow Jesus. If you're not yet a Christian today, God in His Word seeks to reveal Himself to you. He wants you to see Jesus in His awesome perfection, to see that He is God, the one who made you and commands you and commands your respect. He wants you to see Jesus and to see how unworthy in comparison to Him you are, to see how sinful you are and how desperately in need of a Savior like Him you are. If you're not yet following Jesus and trusting in His life and death and resurrection to redeem your life and rid you of fear and bring you close to God, Jesus calls you today and says, follow me. But if you are a Christian here today, no matter how long you have been a Christian, if you've been following Jesus for weeks or years or decades even, Jesus still does the same for you. Today in His Word, He wants you to see more of who He is, to see more of who you are, and to have all fear dispelled as you are drawn even closer to Him and have your life transformed more and more so that you more and more look like Him. And we see in Peter that the process of seeing Jesus, seeing Himself, and being transformed as he follows Jesus, it's not this one-time thing. Peter needs this again and again and again, and so do we. So my prayer this morning is that through this morning and this week and onwards, we would all see Jesus as He reveals Himself to us in His Word, and that we would see ourselves more clearly, not only seeing our own sinfulness and need of a Savior, but that we would see the Savior who deals completely with our sin, so that He can say to us, do not fear, follow me. Well, I hope this morning has been a morning of worship for you, and that you know Jesus has called you. If you've got any questions, I'll stay here at the front. Um, please stay for teas and coffees if you can. 
But thank you all. Shall we finish? Do we have the grace to put up there? Shall we just say the grace together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you. God bless you all.